Please open your Bibles with me to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 18. We'll read God's Holy Word, Matthew, chapter 18, the verses 21 through 35. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21, hear God's holy and inspired word. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him, up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So far, this portion of God's Word. Then we go back into Matthew, to Matthew chapter 6 for our text. Matthew 6 and verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now notice in most of your Bibles that will be in red lettering, which means it is spoken by God, by Jesus Christ. And so it is the Word of God that says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That leads me to uh, look at our Heidelberg Catechism. <clears throat> As we continue in this short series on the Lord's Prayer, 
And we've come to Lord's Day 51. Question and answer number 126. Which is the fifth petition? The answer. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood, not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions, nor that depravity which always cleaves to us, even as we feel this evidence of thy grace in us, that it is from it is our firm resolution from the heart to forgive our neighbor. So far then the reading of our guide, the Heidelberg Catechism. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that you who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ still need to pray for forgiveness of sins? Do you know that? You and I, who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, must recognize that the prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us here is meant especially for you and for me who have come to believe in Him. It is true that unbelievers must be urged to pray for the forgiveness of sins, and that, that stands to reason, doesn't it? Yes, they must pray to have their sins forgiven them. But believers must do so as well. In fact, this is what the fifth petition is really all about, isn't it? As Jesus teaches us to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well then, let us look at this a little bit more closely by the following theme and division. The believer's prayer for forgiveness. In the first place, forgiveness must be prayed for earnestly. Secondly, forgiveness has been prepared sacrificially. And then thirdly, forgiveness shall be practiced gratefully. Now, congregation, for some people it may, in fact, sound rather strange to hear that believers must still pray for the forgiveness of their sins. Well, let me explain, first of all, why this might sound strange to them. You see, some people think in stages, in stages. And they believe then also that the Heidelberg Catechism uh, is backing them up in, in thinking, in stages. And so, when they say that uh, you are in the stage of sin and misery, dealt with in the first part of the Heidelberg Catechism, it is at that stage that you then pray for the forgiveness of sins. Then, when you come to the next stage, that is the stage of deliverance from sin and misery, spoken of in the second part of the Heidelberg Catechism, it is in that stage that you actually experience the forgiveness of sins. Finally, when you come to the stage of gratitude for being delivered from your sin and misery, spoken of in the third part of the Heidelberg Catechism, it is then that you give thanks to the Lord God for the sins that are forgiven. And therefore, people who, who think in that manner, um, they, the idea is that believers must still, it is rather strange rather, that, that believers must still pray for forgiveness of sins and they, they don't grasp that, they don't understand that. And yet, it is not a strange idea at all. In fact, it is a biblical teaching 
of biblical teaching. It must be said very clearly that believers are to pray for forgiveness of their sins. Just listen to Jesus for a moment. His disciples came to him and they asked him a lesson on prayer. And then he taught them to say, among other things, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so, who must pray this petition for the forgiveness of sins? Well, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, His followers, those who have come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have learned to sing, as no doubt you also know how to sing it. I love the Lord, the fount of life and grace. They are the ones who are taught by Jesus to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, this is also the line to be followed in our Heidelberg Catechism. As you know, we are presently in the third section of our catechism, commonly known as the section on gratitude, or you could also say thankful living. And it is precisely in this particular section of our catechism that we have this whole discussion on the petition for the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, according to the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heidelberg teacher, Born-again Christians need to pray that their sins be forgiven them. Now, perhaps you wonder why they should. And you might ask yourself a number of questions. Are my sins not forgiven already? Would such a prayer not be an indication of distrusting the mercy and the grace of God? Is it right to pray for forgiveness if forgiveness has been received already? Should Christians really bother God with things which God Himself has said that He would not remember them anymore? Would it not be better to, to recognize the forgiveness of sins for what it is, thank God that such a thing has happened, and, and, and similar questions? Well, now, let me try to answer those questions in the following way. Why must believers still pray for forgiveness? Well, there are basically two reasons, no, three reasons, actually, because, after all, the Lord Jesus Christ teaches it, and that should be the end of all debate. But nevertheless, here are two other reasons why believers must pray for forgiveness. One, it is true that God says that He does not remember our sins anymore. But that does not mean, dear people, that we, you and I, should forget our sins. In Isaiah chapter 51, for instance, verse 1, God says to His people, Listen to me, you who, are, who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and the hole of the pit from which you were dug. In other words, God says to us, Remember your past and where I got you from. Remember the condition from which I saved and rescued you. Remember this. And dear people, that means therefore that God does not want us to forget our origin. Genesis 3 and our fall in sin should never become a forgotten chapter of history with us. And God says to us, Remember 
from where you have come. And Jesus teaches this kind of remembrance by telling us, when you pray, forgive us our debts. This is then the first reason why we believers must pray for forgiveness. It will keep the memory of our fall intact and it will, it will remind us that we are debtors to God and to His marvelous grace. And this is how God wants it, dear people. This is how He wants it. He wants us to remain alert to the fact that we do have a guilty past, but we do have a merciful God who is merciful to you and to me already in the past. The second reason why we as believers must pray for forgiveness is even more important. As a believer, you must pray for forgiveness because you and I, we continue to fall into sin through weaknesses and through temptations of the evil one. You know, no doubt from experience, that the Apostle Paul was very correct when he says in Romans 7 verse 19, For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And so, having been taught somewhat by the Holy Spirit, you know that in this life, we will actually never rise above the title of poor sinner. The Apostle Paul was, and, and you know this very well, he was far advanced in holiness, he was far advanced in, in the knowledge of God, and he could proclaim a gospel beyond anything that we could possibly say. But he still had to confess I, chief of sinners, 1 Timothy 1.15. As believers, therefore, we speak, must speak from experience when we, with our Heidelberg Catechism, confess our transgressions and the depravity which always clings or cleaves to us. Now, sin might not have dominion in your life anymore, and praise God for that, but certain sins will still be clinging to you and to me. And this can make life sometimes very miserable, can't it? And for this reason, you and I must pray for the forgiveness of those sins that still cling to us. And dear people, you and I must therefore continue to pray for the forgiveness of sins. Well, now, now you ask, well, what is this forgiveness all about? Well, we are given a very good explanation, actually, right here in our Heidelberg Catechism, when it says this, listen carefully, Be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood, not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions, nor that depravity which always clings to us. In other words, forgiveness is when God does not impute or charge to your and my account those sins that still cling to us. As believers, we sin. We confess the sin we have committed, and as we pray for forgiveness of those sins, God wipes them from our charge account. They will not turn up in the book of judgment. God will not recall them anymore. But again, as you will understand, there must be that prayer for forgiveness. There's another thing 
that must be said about having to pray for forgiveness, even as believers must do. It is a way to keep you and me from spiritual pride. Our catechism lays these particular words on our lips, us poor sinners. Now, this is not merely just a pious phrase, dear people. It is a true-to-fact description of who we are as we make our approach to a holy God, us poor sinners. Our forefathers used to say that the grace of God makes you small in your own eyes. The grace of God makes you small in your own eyes. Then you will approach God in, as Jesus thought, in a childlike manner, not only to ask Him for your daily bread, but also for your daily forgiveness. And so, my fellow believers, have you learned to pray for the forgiveness of sins, daily forgiveness? Do you see the need of it? And have you learned as, as your Savior, and that from, from your Savior, rather, that such a prayer is as important as praying for your daily bread? Well then, you may take comfort from the fact that forgiveness which you pray for is a forgiveness that has been prepared sacrificially, as I may speak of that in the second place. Now, Jesus not only teaches us to pray for forgiveness, but also the, that He has prepared such forgiveness for us, for you and me. And the authors of our Heidelberg Catechism, they understood this teaching of Jesus very clearly. When we pray, Our Father in heaven, forgive us our debts. We are praying, Father, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood to forgive. So you see, God has prepared to forgive our sins because of the strength and of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now let me explain this in a little bit more detail. The blood of Jesus Christ, as you know, has been set, shed as a sacrifice, and it has a double or a twofold power. It has the power to forgive your original sins. That's the power to forgive the sins before you were born again. And that brings you to be born again. That is the power that will save you, and it is the power to turn you into a Christian. And I trust you know something of that power. Dear friends, if, if any of you are not yet born again and do not know of this particular power, ask God to show you the mercy that He has so plenty of, and that through the Holy Spirit and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will make you into a new person. And do not postpone this matter for a moment. Do not hesitate about this any more than what you have done already in the past. Do not let this world, do not let the pleasures of this world distract you from this. Do not let the devil tell you that it is not really necessary for you or, or, or that you really have become too big a sinner for any of that or that there's no hope for you anymore. Don't listen to Satan about these matters. The devil, after all, he is full of tricks and he will, he will try to do anything to keep you 
from pleading the mercy of God to be forgiven of your sins. So don't listen to the evil one. Sometimes church people can get in a real rut about this. They keep coming to church, all right, and they read the Bible, all right. They make their prayers, and yes, they agree with the elders who come on family visitation. Ah, uh, yes, true enough, yes, we are sinners, and yes, something will have to change, they will say. But they will not break down and plead the mercy of God to be forgiven of their sins. My dear friend, there is forgiveness prepared for you. And the power of it is right in the very blood of Jesus Christ who died as a sacrifice for sin for the likes of you. The Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1 verse 7. Therefore, do not hesitate any longer. Turn to God and use these words that we are busy with this hour. Forgive my debts. For the sake of Christ's blood, O God, do not impute to me, poor sinner, my transgressions or my depravity. My friend, I may tell you, on the basis of the Word of God, I may tell you, there is power in the blood of Christ to forgive the greatest of sinners. But at the same time, believers must also know that there is power in that same blood, not only to forgive them originally, but also to forgive them and to cleanse them each day anew of their sins. And it should truly be a sorrow for any believer that we still fall into sin sometimes. Isn't it a sad thing? That means, of course, that each day we must go again to the throne of grace and plead for forgiveness, plead for cleansing. If it is right with us, you and me, we do not want to fall into sin. After all, it is against our new nature, isn't it? It gives us grief that transgressions and depravity, and by the way, this is how our catechism describes our sins, that it describes it as transgressions and depravity. It gives us grief, therefore, that such transgression and such depravity still clings to us. But there is forgiveness and cleansing prepared for your and my clinging sins. The Apostle John, as an old man, knew what this was all about. No doubt, he himself still struggled with sins that clung to him. But he fatherly and he sympathetically writes to his people, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, a pleader, an advocate with the Father in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous. In his blood, Dear people, is power prepared to forgive you and to forgive you each day anew. And so, dear fellow believers, avail yourself of that precious blood of your Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, there's something striking said in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 14. 
there we read about a multitude in white robes who have come out of the tribulation. And there's something said about them that is very important. Apparently, in their life on earth, they had been busy with something. What was that? They had been busy washing their robes. And this is how it says in the original. They had been busy washing their robes and making them white. How? In the blood of the Lamb. And this is how you and I can also come through the great tribulation of our clinging sins, you see. Constant washing in the precious blood of the Lamb Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And you may do this how? You may do this as you pray. And forgive us our sins for the sake of Christ's blood. But now, how can you be assured that your sins will be forgiven? How can you have that certainty of the forgiveness of any and all debts? Again, it is to be learned from Jesus to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Therefore, let me, by way of my third point, consider forgiveness shall be practiced gratefully. Now, in order for you and me to have that assurance and that certainty of truly being forgiven, it is necessary for something on our part. And what is that? That you practice forgiveness towards others. There may be some amongst us who still lack the certainty of faith, who lack the assurance of the forgiveness of sins, and the question can be asked, why? Why is this so? Well, perhaps, perhaps because you have failed to practice what Jesus teaches here in this petition when he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There are church people, church-going people, you see, who have no assurance of salvation and no real certainty that their sins are forgiven them. And pastoral work bears that out. And their lack of assurance and shortage of, of certainty can be traced right back to their lack of a forgiving spirit in respect to their brother or sister or neighbor. There are church-going people who carry an unforgiving spirit within them. Perhaps there are some listening to this message who happen to be in that way. You will not forgive your brother or your sister what they have done to you. You will not forgive your elderly mother or forgive your old father what he has done to you. You will not forgive the debts of long ago incurred by one of the elders or deacons or ministers of the gospel. They are your debtors. They are in debt to you. And you have determined, therefore, within yourselves that you will not forgive them unless they come crawling to you on their knees. And then, if not, you will not forgive them. My friend, if, if this is the case with you, 
you have not understood this part of the Lord's Prayer and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you know what this means? Just listen to our catechism. As we forgive our debtors means that as we feel this evidence of thy grace in us, that it is our firm resolution from the heart to forgive our neighbor. In other words, if you want that assurance and that certainty of being forgiven of your sins, you must be prepared to forgive anyone the wrong that they have done to you. Jesus says it even plainer yet. And if this does not hit home, what will, I ask? Jesus says in Matthew 6, and we have read a bit from that, the following, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6 the verses 14 and 15. Now, this is what it amounts to if you wish to have the assurance of being forgiven. You must know what it means to practice forgiveness. Now, read that chapter in Matthew 18 again later on, which we have read at the beginning of our worship service. And let it sink in and allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. Observe what the Lord does with those who have an unforgiving spirit. We're told, in fact, that His anger will be unleashed upon them. Verse 34. And so, a warning is in order, isn't there? Be careful, and this is how John Calvin also explains it, be careful in praying this fifth petition. If you have no intentions of forgiving anyone what they have done to you. Because the words of this fifth petition could come back to haunt you. Forgive us our debts as we, or just as we, forgive our debtors. It will come to haunt you. And so, dear brother or sister, think of the great forgiveness that Jesus Christ the Savior has prepared for you and for me. God has forgiven you and me so much sin. It is beyond the millions of dollars, if I could say it that way. Well then, if that is so, is it not possible for you to forgive your brother or sister or neighbor the 50 cents that they owe you? It's only a little amount that people can do to you. And therefore, do forgive them. You forgiving them will be evident and will show evidence that you are grateful to what God has forgiven you, this great amount. Dear people, our Lord Jesus Christ has given His life as a sacrifice so that forgiveness can be found, that forgiveness can be declared not only for, for your sins, but also to forgive the sins of others so that you can forgive the sins of others. 
the wrongdoing that they've done to you, you can forgive. Therefore, put forgiveness into practice in your daily life. And by doing so, you will reap that pleasant fruit of assurance for yourself and of gratitude, thankfulness to God. And remember, God is most willing and able to forgive abundantly the greatest of sinners. You will never be disappointed in Him and in what He can possibly do for you when you go to Him for forgiveness. Therefore, when someone has done you a wrong and asks you to forgive them, do so readily, do so willingly, do so gladly, and never mention the matter anymore. It is done for. Doing so, you will show to each and every one and to the world at large, you will show that you have learned to forgive as God has forgiven you. And praise God for it. Amen. Let us close in thanksgiving. Oh God, we are so thankful that you are a forgiving God and you have declared that already in the Old Testament and in the New Testament time and time again that you forgive sins. And Lord, we thank you for that because we do need such forgiveness. Help us, therefore, to be forgiving to others as well. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for teaching us this particular portion of the Lord's Prayer. And with the warning that comes along with it, that we may acknowledge that you are a God who is righteous as well. And so bless us, young and old. Grant that we may know what it means to be forgiven, what it means to be assured of salvation, and that we may practice forgiveness towards others. And we ask that you would bless us richly. Be with us now as we leave this place and grant that we may return later on this day in order to worship you again in the beauty of holiness. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Mm-mm. <clears throat>